0: Are you ready to see? Well,
1: oh, good morning. Good to see you again. And uh, Jill, thanks for welcoming everybody. Great job. Isn't it fun to see Jill up here? Yeah. Awesome job. Hey, I'm, I'm curious, with your life, have you ever thought about this? Do you want to live a, leave a legacy with your life? Have you ever considered what your legacy might be? What um, the obituary is going to read the week of your funeral? What's going to be on your tombstone? That's the topic this morning. And I wonder, you know, as you get into your life group this week, one of the things that you're going to do is actually write what we're calling a tombstone tweet. 50 words or less, what would be, what do you hope is said about you? after you're gone because everyone has this date circled in red on their calendar and it's an appointment a meeting with your maker and unless he that day might be the day he returns it also might be the day that you move on to your life apart from this earth but in any case it's there for you and one guy in particular I don't know if you've heard of this name I bet you have Alfred Nobel have you heard of him Maybe you didn't know his first name, but you knew his last name. But it once said, he once said that every man should get the chance to write his own obituary. That's what he said. And he made this statement after spending uh, the latter part of his life rewriting his own. Alfred Nobel was a scientist and a Swedish chemist who invented dynamite in 1866. And his invention made him very wealthy. And uh, gave Looney Tunes a lot of material to work with, right? (laughs) And uh, so his his invention was used uh, in so many different ways. And over the course of his life, he held over 350 patents in over 20 countries. And in 1888, 22 years later, his brother Ludwig died. Well, the papers got it wrong. And they thought Alfred had died, and they published an obituary for Alfred, and here's what was written. Uh, They called him the merchant of death because he had devised a way to kill more human beings than ever in the history of warfare, and he died a very rich man because of it. Well, Alfred had the dubious privilege of being able to read his obituary in the paper the next morning. Can you imagine? If you read your obituary and it said something like that about you, yeah, he was the merchant of death. Killed more people than anybody in the history of warfare, and then he made a ton of money from it. Well, you can imagine how that might have struck him. It changed him forever, and he decided then and there that dynamite would not be his legacy. He decided that wasn't going to be his legacy, and he wrote a different ending to his life. Now today, how many of you knew that Alfred Nobel was the one who invented dynamite? few of you did. Most of you, what did you know him for? Oh, the Peace Prize and all the other prizes in his name. See, he, he wrote a different ending to his life and now we don't associate his name primarily with dynamite, but primarily with the Nobel Peace Prize. The uh, There's a whole slew of them with his name on it. I wondered if somebody was to write the obituary of your life today, what would they write? What would ink-free read tomorrow about you would you be remembered um, with a lasting legacy of, of investment like we talked about last week or would you be left with a lasting legacy of an okay life but there's not much to be said now going forward See, I'm going to show you this morning. It's not too comfortable to think about that, is it? But I want to show you that the power of the gospel can change your legacy. Jesus can change your legacy. And uh, we've already said the, the legacy of our lives is closely in, in, related to our investments. And Alfred Nobel's life is a, is a key illustration of that. But the question, as I mentioned last week, what are you investing in? Are you investing in God's plans, in his dream, and his best for your life? Or are you investing in something else that's gonna pay off in a totally different way one day? With that, let's pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that um, even if uh, we've lived a life that might be, by all accounts, wasted up until this point, our lives are not wasted Jesus, you uh, have life in front of us. We're breathing. We have agency to make decisions and to follow you and to turn to you and invest in your plans for our life. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, as we uh, breach this topic this morning, would you, um, in a way that only you can, by your spirit, uh, draw us closer to Jesus and, and draw our hearts and our minds and our affections toward him and leaving a legacy that honors him with our lives no matter how much time we might have left. That's the only thing that will last, Lord. So I pray against the enemy. He would cause us to focus merely on the here and now, but Jesus, as we sang, you are the king of glory and we look to you both today and for our eternal future. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, this morning we're going to be in Jeremiah 33 and we're wrapping up this series called 2020 Vision for Life. And we've been kind of dipping in and out of the book of Jeremiah and looking at his life and even uh, his example and some of the prophecies that the Lord spoke through him uh, to give us a glimpse of what's it look like to live a life on purpose according to how I've been designed, according to the gifts God's given me. Uh, putting off, we talked about putting off our false self and putting on our true selves. We've talked about investing in the future and not just living a life that uh, that we just kind of take it as it comes, but we really truly uh, focus our investments in a way that would bring Jesus glory, others good and, our, and us joy. And so uh, really, as we wrap this up, uh, we're we're kind of talking about an invitation this morning for you to think about your future and what's the like, and not just your future, but the future after you. AJ, after Josh, F- fill it in. What is it for you? What's life look like when you're gone? What's your legacy? Well, uh, Jeremiah chapter 33, if you want to turn there with me, you can. I'm going to be starting verse 14. And uh, verse 14 starts like this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Uh, that phrase, the days are coming, that shows up 16 times in the book of Jeremiah. Seven times that it pops up, uh, it refers to uh, coming destruction and their exile in those days. But nine of those times, it actually refers to God's blessing, And the fact that he's going to bless them yet again. If you remember, if you've been around, if you haven't, let me catch you up really briefly. Some of the context here is Jeremiah has been a prophet for decades to the southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern tribes have been taken into exile 150 years prior because of their sin. And now Judah is being exiled as well. They're being conquered by King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And uh, for, for decades, Jeremiah has been like, listen, you need to turn back. Or the same thing that happened to them is going to happen to us. And uh, sure enough, it's happening. And once it starts happening, he's like, listen, uh, your best bet is to just let it happen. This is the Lord's plan. In, in a sense, he's telling them, give up. And we saw last Sunday that King Zedekiah is like, no, I don't like that. We're not giving up. We're rebelling. And he puts Jeremiah in prison, in the prison palace, Right? And, uh, but, Jer- but the word of the Lord keeps coming to Jeremiah and he, he buys this field as a sign of investment, which really makes no sense, humanly speaking, but makes total sense in that it, it prophesies to the fact that God is not done with his people, even though there's been destruction and it's been hard, there's coming a day where his blessing will return. He hasn't given up. This is just a time of discipline for them. So seven of those times of in those days are about the destruction. Nine of those, though, are about the blessing that he's going to bring back to them. In this case, we're talking about the future blessing because he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise that I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. This had to bring some hope to Jeremiah and to God's people, didn't it? I mean, in the midst of the exile, in the midst of being taken off, God says, listen, I I haven't forgotten my promise. And the days are coming, I'm going to fulfill it, where I'm going to prosper you, and there's a hope for you, and there's good things ahead. Their own decisions to sin and ignore God resulted in some harsh consequences in their lives, but uh, they, they maybe even felt like they had totally ruined any chance of God ever using them or loving them or being kind to them again. But God says, no, no, no. My grace is dependent on my goodness, not yours. It's about my goodness, God says. And so the days are coming of his promises and how his sovereign plans, they they can't be thwarted even by our sin. Listen, have you turned radically away from the Lord? If you have, and you're breathing... If you would return to Him, He's not done with you. He longs for you to return. He longs for you to come back to Him. He's a God of second chances and of third, fourth, fifth, and sixth for that matter. He loves you and His forgiveness is not based on your good works. It's based on Jesus' good works, on His goodness. And the story that God is writing, what we're going to see here this morning, is the story that He's writing, the legacy He's leaving. It will come to pass, and even our sin cannot thwart it. Even the sin of his people here, in this case. Second Timothy, 2:13 says, "Even if we're not faithful, who is faithful?" Jesus says, "Even when we're unfaithful, he's faithful." Listen, when he's got you in his hand, he's got you in his hand. Trust him. The fulfillment of his promises are dependent on his will, not our good works. And when Jeremiah prophesies in chapter 33, Judah is on the brink of collapse in the not-too-distant future. Jerusalem's going to become a desolate waste. Everything will be destroyed. So much already has, but there's coming a day where it will all be destroyed. And it might feel like the final word to God's people, but it's not. It's just a chapter in the story. And what's happening in the passage this morning is God is simply reminding Jeremiah of his covenant and that he keeps his promises and that the legacy is gonna be of God's faithfulness. It's gonna be of his faithfulness. And he's gonna see that covenant fulfilled. And part of that covenant with his people by the way, you're going to see this in a second. So that's why I bring it up is that there's going to be somebody reigning on David's throne and that the Levites, they're they're going to be ministering in the temple. So let's keep reading in those days at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. Notice branch has a capital B. Who do you suppose that branch might be? Jesus, yeah, Sunday school answer, right? When you don't know, you say Jesus. It's Jesus, you're usually right. It's Jesus. The ESV capitalizes it even to give us that clue. A lot of times at Christmas, we read from Isaiah chapter 11 and in Isaiah 11, it says, there will come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And in that, we're looking forward to, we're talking about Jesus coming. Well, it's the same topic here. Because look at what else it says about this branch in Jeremiah 33, verse 15. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In other words, he'll do what's just, he'll do what's right, and he'll bring righteousness to his people. That's a great promise. That too is echoed in Isaiah 11. Some of this will be on the screen. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. This is speaking of Jesus and of the branch mentioned here in Jeremiah. He shall not judge by what his eyes see. Or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Not only will Jesus execute justice, he'll always do what's right, but he will also enable us to do what's right. Righteousness will be given to us through this branch. That's great news. To give you a little sneak peek, next week we're starting a new series based on Micah 6.8 where it says, what does the Lord require of you but to, uh, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? Jesus is the perfect example of that. Here we read about him uh, doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with the Lord. And in those days, verse 16, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. See, the Lord, he's our righteousness. If, if you've become a Christian, here's what happens when you become a Christian. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus and Martin Luther described it, he called it the great exchange, And you wrap up, it's a gift exchange, you wrap up all your filth and all your sin and you hand it over to Jesus and he wraps up all his goodness and all his righteousness and he hands it over to you. And what was credited to your account is now credited to his and what was credited to his account, perfect righteousness, is now in your account. And the Lord, Jesus himself, is your righteousness. You see, it has nothing to do with your good works, but everything to do with his good works. That's how God can save you, how God can save me. Because Jesus gives me his righteousness. And he's saying they're going to be safe. They're going to be secure because the Lord is your righteousness. Now, the days of this for them, of these things happening, of the branch coming forth, that's like 500 years away when Jesus shows up. And in terms of him finally bringing complete righteousness to everyone, who's trusted him that's at least 2500 years away that's about where we are right now in case you wondered and Jesus is coming and he is going to finish what he started and that's great news and these promises will be fulfilled last week we asked you know I asked what you're investing in in your life and if you're investing for God's best and we said that that investing is really an act of faith because investments pay off in the future and the faith is believing what God's word has said that, that Jesus is going to save you, that he's going to make you new, he's going to make you clean, and acting upon it, putting your faith in him, no matter how you feel, even in circumstances where it doesn't make any sense, because he promises a good result. Well, this morning here, we're, we're seeing the ultimate good result, which is when Jesus returns. That is the ultimate good result. See, because God keeps all his promises. In those days, verse 16, Judah will be saved, Jerusalem will dwell securely, and the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. He promised there's going to be a righteous king on the throne. Well, we know that's going to be Jesus. But in this moment, in these circumstances, what do you think the people thought? Oh man, we've sinned. We've turned our back on the Lord. Now we're being sacked by the Babylonians. We're all going into exile. Our legacy is just lost. Like our lives are done. There's no hope for me. No hope for my future. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep my promises. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, there's consequence. But you can trust me. I'm good. Turn to me. Because there is still going to be a king on David's throne. David shall never lack a man on his throne. Ultimately, that's going to be Jesus. And then verse 18, the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, to make sacrifices forever. Prophets are those like Jeremiah who speak to the people for God, right? In the Old Testament, the priests are those who speak to God for the people, who intercede for them. And and God is promising that the the priests are going to continue serving. There's going to be someone to intercede for you. Well, just like Jesus is the king to sit on David's throne, Jesus is our high priest, we read. He's the one who's our ultimate mediator between us and God. And he's the one who represents us with his righteousness before a holy and perfect God. He's always interceding for us and his sacrifice for sin is once and for all. In fact, he continues to be your advocate. Have you ever thought about what business would I have standing before a holy and awesome and mighty, sinless God? You ever thought of how frightening that would be? Well, imagine it apart from the reconciling work of Jesus on your behalf, of him making you clean before God, of him forgiving you. This is great news. Look at what John writes. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's our righteousness. That's great news. In Romans, it says, who's to condemn? Christ is the one who died. Christ is the one who died for you. There's one God, he writes to Timothy, one mediator between humanity and God, the man, Jesus Christ. Friends, he is your only hope. Jesus himself said it, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's the ultimate fulfillment here of God's promise. And he's the legacy that God is leaving you an opportunity to be part of. As, as Christians, we know that, that we're talking about Jesus. It's, it's all about Jesus. That's why we say this. See, my standing before God has nothing to do with Joshua's goodness because I fall eternally short of God's glory and of his goodness. But guess what? I have a savior who's given me his righteousness, who's made me clean, who's made me new, who's totally forgiven me past, present, future, and that I can be secure standing in him. It's all about him. It's not about us. Would you agree? So do you want to leave a legacy then? I mean, if it's all about Jesus, what that means is if you want to leave a legacy, you need to connect your story to the greatest story that's ever been told. That's the only way you leave a lasting legacy. Do you want your legacy to last? Like literally into eternity? Connect your story with the greatest story, with the story of Jesus, with what he's done for you, with who he is. See, leaving a lasting legacy begins by getting in early on the legacy that God himself is leaving in the world in Jesus. And when you understand and live consciously in the the fact that you're part of God's story, your story gains more significance. We like to say like this, that your story then becomes the second greatest story ever told. If you come to send this Wednesday night, Pastor Dave's gonna be leading some training And uh, we want you to come, by the way, because we want you to be a part of what's happening in our church. We're going to give you a little bit of a glimpse into the coming months and coming years. So even if you're not serving anywhere, please come. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we're also going to do a little bit of training on what's what's it look like to connect my story with God's story, and how do I tell that second greatest story? Do you have that story? You can by trusting Jesus. And connecting your story with his. Because if you want to leave a legacy with your life in a good way, you've got to connect your story to the greatest one. You ever heard of a guy named uh, C.T. Studd? He was a stud. I wonder if that's where the name comes from. <laughs> Charles Thomas Studd. He was like one of the greatest cricket players of his day. And uh, he was from a very wealthy family. He ended up attending Cambridge um, but at one point in his life, he was at, a, a church at a revival meeting and his, his wealthy father, Edward Studd became a Christian and it was a DL Moody, Ira Sankey revival meeting. Moody, I went to Moody Bible Institute. The guy who founded the school I went to, uh, was like the Billy Graham of that century. And he was leading a revival and Edward goes and he becomes a Christian and he, um, Visiting preacher comes to their home and converted his son, CT, and his other brothers. Well, uh, Charles led a life where he would kind of backslidden into sin, and at one point in time, uh, he really began to feel like, "Man, what, what am I doing? I've trusted Christ, but but the legacy of my life is just one of living for myself." And somebody challenged him with these words. They said. Uh, What is all the fame and flattery worth, Charles, when a man comes to face eternity? Like I said, he was an incredible cricket player. So he's like the Barry Bonds of his day in cricket. Just, I don't know, that's what I read. He was good. (laughs) And he goes to Cambridge, he's incredibly smart, incredibly wealthy. He had all kinds of things going for him, didn't he? Well, this, this pierces his heart. And it was at this moment he realizes, hold on, yeah, what is all this worth? What's my legacy really gonna be? And so he, along with six other guys from Cambridge, they end up being known as the Cambridge Seven, and they give up everything to go into missions. And uh, long story short, he becomes a missionary in China and in India and then in Africa. At the end of his life, he gives his entire inheritance away A big chunk of that went to Moody Bible Institute, which means if you've ever benefited in any way from the Lord using me, that you've benefited because of this man's faithfulness. You're part of his legacy. Think about that. You didn't even know who he was until today. But he's racking up rewards for eternity in heaven because of his faithfulness during his life. And he had this quote. He's most well known for this. Maybe you have heard this. He wrote a poem that said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You heard that? I'd modify his statement just a little bit. I would say, and I think he would agree with this, by the way. This is what he meant. Uh, Only what's done, uh, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done with Christ will last. Because Jesus said, there's, listen, you can do a lot of things for me, and there's going to be people on the last day that said, Lord, but what about all the good things I did in your name? And he's going to be like, what? Depart from me, I never knew you. No, connect your story with Jesus. Don't just do the good things, do the good works, but, but connect your life with him. Become a follower of his. Become a Christian. And then you, you live life with him in his power. And that's the essence of what he meant by that quote, for sure, I guarantee. But I think that simple change in language might help us realize, no, if I'm going to leave a legacy, I've got to connect my life with the one who's eternal, who's leaving an eternal legacy. Have you connected your life with Jesus? If you're not a Christian, uh, let me encourage you to trust him become one if you are a christian are let me ask you this are you abiding in him is your life connected to the vine or do you need to have a moment like ct stud did where you 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 kind of just everything switches and you go you know what i've been living life for myself and it's time i live with jesus paul writes it like this in first corinthians no one can lay any other foundation than the one that has already been laid. And that foundation, he says, is Jesus Christ. A person may build on it using gold, silver, jewels, or wood, hay, and straw. What are you building on that foundation with if you're a follower of his? Each person's work will be shown for what it is. On judgment day, it'll all be brought to light. It'll be put through fire, and the fire will test how everyone's work is. If the building doesn't burn up, God will give the builder a reward for his work. But if it burns up, the builder will lose everything. The builder will be saved, but only like one who's escaping through the flames. What are you building with your life? What are you leaving behind? Is it gold and precious jewels that'll endure the fire or will it all be burned up? And you'll still be saved, but by the skin of your teeth. I wonder, do you approach life with this perspective? There's a story of a visitor who's walking into town who encountered three workmen. They're working away. And he says to the first one, hey, what are you doing? And the guy kind of looks up at him. He scowls. He says, "I'm. What's it look like I'm doing? I'm making bricks. Okay. He walks to the next guy as he moves through town and he, he finds this guy working away and says, uh, Hey, w- w- what are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm kind of scowled. What do you think? I'm, I'm building a wall. What's it look like I'm doing? Sorry, I asked. You know, and he, he walks down to the, this next guy and, Hey, what are you doing? This guy had a totally different perspective. He goes, uh, I'm building a cathedral. And it's the greatest cathedral. It will be the greatest cathedral the world's ever seen. How are you going about your life? What perspective? Are you just kind of, you're just making bricks? Passing my time, I'm going to get through this. Are you, eh, I got a little bit of purpose, I'm building a wall. Or are, are you leaving a legacy where you're, you're building a cathedral that's going to last and your life is going to endure and way outlive you? What perspective are you living your life with? What's your legacy going to be? If you want to leave a lasting legacy, you need to connect your life to the greatest story ever told. You know, I I heard a a cool story this week. Um, Kyle, I'm going to pick on you. Is that okay? Kyle, how long have you guys been married now? Um, Five years. years. And so uh, in that time, I know uh, you've been working really hard uh, to adopt Evan and Noah, right? And there was some good news this week. And this week it went through. That's Amen. That's awesome. It's, it's so cool. Listen, that's a legacy you're leaving with your life. That'll so outlive you. Your investment in those boys. And your love for them. Where'd to go. It's awesome. Listen, if you want to leave a lasting legacy with your life, you've got to connect it to the greatest story ever told. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know your entire story, Kyle, but I know it enough to know that that's your heart, that, that, that you follow the Lord Jesus, you love him, and, and you have your family here because that's primary in your life. What are you connecting your life to? See, because if you connect your story to the greatest story ever told, even if up till this point you're like, man, I've wasted all of it. Well, guess what? There's still time. There's still time. If you connect your story to the greatest story ever told, your story will be one worth telling. Your story will be. Maybe you'll be some Joe Schmo preacher's illustration 150 years from now because of your faithfulness. What legacy are you leaving, friends? Maybe you're still not quite sure you know, I can't, I don't know if I can trust God's promises to really follow him. Well, look at this. Verse 19, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, uh, Jeremiah, in case you're even, I wonder if Jeremiah even had some question. Like, is God really going to do this? I guarantee, listen, you got to remember, Jeremiah's a prophet and uh, he's a hero of the faith for sure, but he's also a man. And he had some of the same struggles you and I have. He was still sinful. He still lived a real life. He still had aches and pains. He still had heartache. And I would, I would, I would uh, venture to say he probably still had doubts at times. And here's what God says to him Jeremiah, if, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that the day and night won't come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken so that he won't have a son to reign on his throne. My covenant with the Levitical priests, and my ministers. If this was written today, maybe God would have used more, more scientific or astronomical, astronomical, not astronomical. It sounded smart, so I went with it. Astronomical language, right? Where maybe he would say, uh, hey, Jeremiah, and maybe he'd say this to you, put your name in there if you're questioning some of his promises. Hey, tell you what, As soon as you can stop the earth from spinning, I won't keep my promises to you. As soon as you can keep the the earth from uh, revolving around the sun, so the seasons no longer change, then I'll break my promise with you. So, why don't you go ahead and figure that out? And then you'll have figured out when I'm going to break my promise with you, when I've given up on you. What's the answer? No, he doesn't let go. He loves you. See, I wonder what are the promises maybe you're doubting? Do you doubt that God loves you unconditionally? He says in Romans chapter 8 that there's nothing that can separate you from his love. Do you doubt uh, maybe his forgiveness, that you've really been forgiven? No, you you have been forgiven. Do you you wonder and and doubt that he's really with you? The psalmist writes, you're never alone. My father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Do you doubt your security? He's the king of glory. He's in control. Do you doubt that following him is really worth it? Is it worth the pain? Well, check this out. Let's not grow weary of doing good, Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. It's worth it. Listen, he keeps every one of his promises and he will keep them forever. What promises do you doubt? He goes on, he gives another example at the end uh, of the passage this morning, but uh, as we wrap up, let me just say this, that that in our faith, we we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? The end of this passage is mentioned, uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob Why are they mentioned? Go read read about their life in Genesis. Man, if you want to talk about family dysfunction, go read about some of the heroes of the faith in Genesis. Like, you name it, it happened. Nothing's new under the sun. Yet they're remembered because of their faithfulness. Why? Because of their goodness? No, no, no. Abraham's righteousness was credited to him because of faith. And we stand on their shoulders because of their faith, of their connecting their story with the greatest story ever, that of the Lord Jesus. And that's why their story is a story worth being told. And that's how your story could be a story worth being told. Have you trusted him? Man, he loves you. And man, he would do awesome things through your life. What's the legacy you're leaving? I'm gonna pray and then Pastor Dave is gonna come up and introduce uh, some things we're doing together uh, as a church family and um, uh, give you an opportunity even to be prayed for towards that end. Let me pray right now and then Pastor Dave will, will join me on stage. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your grace to us. Thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you're leaving a legacy of righteousness and of goodness and that you... Um, you would choose to use people even like us and do the same. I pray for those who never trusted you, Lord, that today would be the day they would. And for those of us who have, Father, that today would be the day we'd put a stake in the sand and say, it's all about Jesus. And then by your spirit, would you help us live that out? It's through him and through your son we pray. Amen.
0: Josh and I are really excited this morning just to introduce a new ministry, a new element to our worship this morning, and it's called the Barnabas Team. It's a group group of people just to pray with you at the end of the service. I chose the name Barnabas because he is a a man from the Bible. His name literally means son of encouragement. And so as people come forward for prayer, just to be encouraged, to be strengthened. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of christ matthew eleven twenty eight says "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. One of the things that we really prize very much here is transformation versus information that when we have a worship service it 's never just about like, oh, that was interesting, but it 's about giving us a chance, giving me a chance for us to move closer to Christ." And so what we're introducing this morning is just an opportunity to, to draw closer to God, to seal the deal, so to speak, to give a tangible way for us to, to respond, say, yes, God, I want this to be, this morning, to be more than just about information, but I want I want you to just to, to transform me. I want to come forward, and, and you don't even have to tell the person that you're coming forward for just exactly what's on your heart. You can just ask them, hey, I just need prayer today. Would you pray for me? My, my hope is that, for, for Wawasee Bible, that it is a, a normal, frequent thing for us to be, not only here up front, but throughout in the, in the, in the foyer, in the, in the commons area, in the kids wing, in the old, that just praying for each other is a very normal, natural thing. I've been a pastor long enough to know that probably one-fourth or one-third of you lost sleep this week on something, you Maybe one in three of you just, uh, you, you were lost in your, your daydreams of anxiety for an hour at least this week over some issue. So let's just, let's just, uh, acknowledge that all of us, I mean, at one point or another, we need prayer. We need a sister. We need a brother. Just someone to talk to, someone to pray for us. Uh, a long time ago in, in a church far away, uh, I was friends with a man named Tom and when one morning, Tom went forward for church uh, at the end of the service in response. And Tom had married into a large extended family within the church who every Sunday afternoon got together for a, a large family gathering. So a couple days later, I talked to Tom and said, man, that was good. God was doing something in your life. And He's like, I'll never go forward again. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Oh. Well, as soon as I got back, my wife said, why did you go forward? Everyone's gonna think we have problems now. And he went to the family gathering that Sunday afternoon. A relative comes up to him and says, "Are you dying?" <laughs> and all afternoon he said, "Everyone is like, what have you done? Should you be in jail?" I just want to be clear. Just let's uh, let's all be clear. Why was he Bible? When someone comes forward for prayer, remember, this is normal. Everyone needs prayer. Our response is not, oh, what have they done? But our response is to be, yes, God, go, 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 Lord. Lord, bless that, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl who's going forward. Lord, do a good work in their life, that that is normal that is nothing unusual. There's nothing out of the ordinary. We just want to be praying for them. That is, And it's between them and the Lord. It's simply between them and the Lord. We all have issues. We all have burdens. We all need prayer. Reasons we might come forward for prayer on any given Sunday is just... If you've not crossed the line with Christ, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that you want to come forward, you just want to talk to someone, like, tell me more how I can know Jesus, how, how I can, as Josh spoke this morning, have a legacy, how I can you know, know for certain that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. The second reason would be just rededication, just like, you know, there's some, some sin in my life, and, and I want to, it's going to be more powerful for me to actually confess that to a man or woman, and anything you say up here is going to be confidential just between you and that person. It's going to be just between you and the Lord. And But just sometimes you might come forward like, hey, I'm struggling with this problem, with this sin. And I, I just want to pray, I want to ask God just to really help break the power of that sin in my life. I want to deal with that guilt or shame that I'm feeling. Uh, number three, just uh, responding to the message this morning, like, You might want to come forward this morning, just Lord, I I I want to I want you to give me show me what my legacy is. I want to move and work toward that. Just any kind of burden, depression, grief, unforgiveness, bitterness in your life, anxiety, fears, loneliness, broken relationships, physical illness, disease, pain. Um, Just your children are in crisis. Your parents are in crisis. Loss of employment, financial crisis, a loss of a friendship. Some type of tragedy. And sometimes it might be, I just want more of you, Jesus. I want to just grow closer to you. I want more of you in my life. I want to know you more. I want to tell my friends about you, Jesus. I look at coming forward for prayer in my own life, and the times that I've personally come forward as somewhat like going to the chiropractor. There are times that I've gone to the chiropractor that I I did something at work. I jarred my back, and, and I'm in pain, and I need to go to the chiropractor. And there are other times I go to the chiropractor just because I like going to the chiropractor. Because when I go to the chiropractor, I personally always feel better after I go to the chiropractor. There wasn't anything emergency-wise, but I just went because it's always good. You might want to come forward for prayer just to, you know, it's on your bucket list. You know, that was a joke. (laughs) I mean, bucket list, like going to Hawaii, going to Europe... Cross it off, going, I went forward at prayer once in my life, and uh, it was scary, but I did it. So, and if you come forward, we're going to experiment. This is the very first Sunday we're trying this. So for uh, this time, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward, and I'm going to ask the Barnabas team, just all of you come forward and just spread yourselves out. So we're doing this all simultaneously. So this morning, as worship team is singing, um, everyone's going to be spread out down here, and you're encouraged to come forward for prayer for whatever, a heavier burden, a light burden. You just want to grow closer to Jesus. So um, the, the prayer team is going to be down here. They're going to face the audience and just kind of spread out. And so men with men, women with women, um, or as you, if you come as a couple, probably just, it'll be just two of these people who just gather together to pray for you. And again, just anything and so, again, as you come forward, I mean, just like, they'll say, just like, how, how can I pray for you today? How can I help you today? Just introduce yourself, and just, if you, if you want to say, just, uh, hey, I'm asking for prayer for this, go ahead and do that. If you want to say, I just need prayer today, just say that, and they will just pray for you. And so, we may try this at the, at the very end of the service. We're just going to experiment a little bit, but let's all stand at this time. And let's, uh, if you put those Bible verses up again, Galatians 6.2, Matthew 11.28, let's read Galatians, uh, if we can bring that up again. Maybe not, but um, let's uh, pass on the verse then, if that's conflicting with the worship. But we're, uh, I'm going to say a short prayer, and then we're going to sing this final song. And I'm going to ask you as a church, maybe you already thought, like, oh, I want prayer today. I want to get in on the opening Sunday for, for the for Barnabas team and see what it's all about. Maybe some of you are going to want to uh, join the team. You can talk to me afterwards. You want to participate. Um, we're usually not going to have everyone standing up here. Normally, it's going to be three or four, but this is kickoff Sunday, so we're having everybody, the entire team. And I'll tell you what, we need practice. We need practice. And so I'm asking you as my new church family to, let's not let the song get too far and let's have every one of these, because everyone, we're all rookies, right? You're a rookie with this. Everyone up here is a rookie with this. So everyone up here, all 12 or something of them need practice. So before the first verse is out, let's, I'm just asking, come forward for prayer. Just if for nothing else, you want to give everyone here a chance for practice, okay? So no one's going to think you've done. My gosh, what have you done? But just, just we want to like let's let's make this happen. So uh, I'm going to lead us in a short prayer. We're going to pray, and let's just make sure everyone is full up here. Prayers, normal, natural. obviously Bible. Lord, we just uh, thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the message. We want we want our lives to speak a legacy. So, our Lord, we just thank you for the new opportunity uh, that you're leading us in just to extend our ministry of prayer and our, our ministry of helping one another bear each other's burdens. So, bless this time as we worship you, uh, bless this time as we pray for each other. In Jesus' name, amen. And come forward as we begin to sing.